Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Healing Courageously. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about the generational curses and generational blessings. But you can't get to your blessings until you have worked through your curses. So today i got my son-in-law, Jared, with me. He's been on this journey with us for a while. Um, He actually heard me speak for the first time at Betty Ford. I was talking about forgiveness, and at that time, I don't remember him, but I know he he was there. And I knew little that I know that he was going to be my son-in-law in in the future. And then him and my daughter were out on a date when they first started dating, and my daughter mentioned something about me being on a ride across America, and Jared kind of stopped in his tracks and says, well, is your dad happen to be Randy Boyd? And she goes, sure is, so here he is, so... He's come a long way. He's really, uh, he's dove into the uh, recovery program. He's dove into Christ. He's dove into everything. Um, He's a great husband to my my daughter. He's a great father to not only their son, but his his stepdaughters. But they don't call him stepdad. He's just like a dad to them. So as a father, I couldn't be prouder and happier that it's Jared that's, that's married to my daughter. So I know he needs to hear that one. Thank you. Yeah. I give him a hard time a lot, but it's all because I love him. <laughs> but he knows I'm loving him. So, um, so anyways, we're, we're going to dive into this a little bit in the generational curses. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the Enneagram. I don't, I'm not real hep to it. I just know a little bit about it. I listened to a, a podcast last week. It was a debate, if you want to say it was a debate, between Todd Wilson and Ruth. I can't remember her last name. It was kind of an offbeat name, but... And Ruth was saying, um, like I said, it was a really good debate, really clean, really deep. You wouldn't be, couldn't even tell they were debating. But basically, the Enneagram has no scientific data to back it up. In the world of psychology, the psychologists, they don't follow it. They don't think it's, it's, it's worth, the, you know, it's weight that you put into it. So there you have that. Now, what I look at is because we are the way we are today. Because of learned behavior, generational curses, generational blessings, whatever they are, there's not it, it, what what the what the enneagram says is that it, it's not a personality test. That's what they say, right? But it's a way to find your true self, a way to try find find your true self. Okay, um, and there's nine different personality types that they've come up with. One of them is perfectionist. Then there's a helper. The achiever, the romantic, the researcher, the loyalist, the adventurer, the challenger, and the peacemaker. Now, I, and I would suggest, uh, is, like anything, do your own research on all this stuff. Um, this is just my view, and I've worked with a lot of different people over the course of the last 12 years. So um, 
the Enneagram works to a certain degree, gets you to a certain point. But um, what, what it's based on is behavior patterns that you've established over the years. And through looking at those, and it, man, it's, it's actually a pretty involved diagram, right? It'll point you to are you a number nine or a number three or whatever it might be, right? And we'll stay with perfectionists because in and of itself, perfectionism isn't really that bad right but it's how how are we using it in our life how how are we how are we using it in our everyday life and our everyday communications with other people are you what i used to do is like because the abuse i received as a kid i couldn't do anything wrong every time i made a mistake i was devastated by it and not only that i would um go as far as Jared, Jared screwed it up. It wasn't my fault. I had nothing to do with it. I told Jared to do this, and he's the one who did it that way. I, I, what do you want me to say? So I blamed my mistakes on everybody else because I was I couldn't be wrong because I was a perfectionist. There's no way I could be wrong. <laughs> I mean, after all, I did my homework, and I did what I was supposed to do. Okay. So how are you using that perfectionism? Now, the, the, the true... The true essence of it too what is the root of your perfectionism you know wh- where is that where does that perfectionism come from like i say perfectionism can be a good thing all of our character defects can be a really good thing um you know a lot of a lot of you know architects construction people and pastors just everyday people we like to do work the best that we can but expecting perfectionism out of ourselves or everybody else I mean, to me, it's like, really? I mean, right. w- there's only one person that has ever been perfect. And we can't even compare to that. You got nailed to a cross. You got nailed to a cross, right? I mean, exactly. And, and one thing that lately, um, when I work with people, I don't, I don't like to say you made a mistake or you're a failure. I, I think that's wrong. That's a wrong narrative. You know, we go through life and, and we, we do certain things every day. At work, we have to perform certain tasks. At school, certain tasks. At home, certain tasks. And sometimes we trip, right? And so when we trip, do we want to say, oh, you failed? No. Look at, you didn't fail because you got back up. But what did you learn from it? What did you learn from the so-called mistake or the so-called failure? If, if you're staying down on the ground and you're not learning and you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, then, well, then, yeah, maybe you, you, you are a mistake. And maybe, not you, maybe you made a mistake and, and maybe it was a failure. And I think a lot of that comes from, I use this example of, of, of uh, report cards. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people got three or four A's on the report card and maybe a, a C, a D, and maybe even an F, right? But nothing's ever said about the A's. It's just, what about this F you got here, son? What about that? I mean, that negates all all these A's you got up here. That negates that. Right? And so we're taught that anything less than perfect, we're a failure. And we're not. We're human beings. We're going to trip. And so instead, we want to be able to take that, those so-called mistakes or failures, and work with our children or work with our employers and say, hey, I, I gave you this assignment. I saw how hard you worked on it. You even came to me and questioned a few things. Um, 
and I don't understand, and you don't understand what what you know what happened in the course of it. But let's sit down and figure it out so that next time we move through and you get ready for a test, I don't care if you get an A, son. Bring bring that D up to a C. It's it's that simple. But let's work together on it. Because I know that you can do it. You did it in all your other classes. I'm really proud of these A's. So I'm lucky. I, I, we'll work on that C or that D. We're, we're going to work on it. And I'm going to help you through it. Instead of just being beat when you're down. Right. Make that progress. That's all you need to do is make progress. Yeah. Don't it, become stagnant or go backwards, but yeah. just make progress. Yeah. yeah, just keep going forward a little bit at a time because the bottom line is is that, you know, they're kids. We're kids yeah. at, at one point, right? And so if, if we're constantly beat down because we're making these bad choices or, you know, as a kid called mistakes, whatever, instead of, hmm, I wonder what, I wonder what we need to do to help you move forward and become better, I think the world would be a better place. I know Absolutely. I would. I yeah. mean, I know when I, everybody that I work with, they come with their head. I mean, even when you had a trip, I didn't beat you up. I just, I gave you certain things that I want to suggest that you do. And you went, you did them, you came back and everything's fine. I work with people all the time that make those trips. It's like, okay, you made the trip. We're going to sit down and let's figure out what you did wrong so we don't do it again. Yeah. I mean, it's just, we don't need to be shamed or beat up. And so the one thing that, that when you get back to kind of like the Enneagram, uh, the one thing I, I developed and with the help of my therapist several years ago is this diagram that I just put up on, on the screen here, okay? And um, pull this up a little bit. I'm going to make it a little bit bigger so we can see. So, you know, there's no child that escapes their childhood without some form of trauma. Okay. It doesn't have to be abuse, but there's some form of trauma. And so <clears throat> look at it this way right here. This is our inner child, the essence of God that created us, right? This is God created us this way. And we're born into, we're born into sin. We're not born full of sin. We're born into sin. Right. And so as we go through our life, starting at, I mean, the, the minute the devil can, we can understand the devil's whispering in our ear, right? And so we go through life with all these different traumas, right? And the traumas can be anything from, um, I gotta pull this up a little more. Your traumas are, um, or ACEs, which is adverse childhood experiences. It can be abuse of any kind, the death of a pet, uh, the death of a loved one. Being in or witnessing a horrific car accident, witnessing murder, divorce, abandonment, spiritual trauma, rape. Uh, there could be secondary trauma where you where you sit down and talk to somebody about their trauma, and all of a sudden you you you're carrying their trauma around. Okay, and so as we go through life, people tend to put labels on us, right? and we even put labels on ourselves. And a lot of this is a result of our behaviors as, as we're going through life, right? I mean, you could be dirty or tainted. Right? If you're sexually abused, a lot of people think that, or not a lot of people, you believe you're dirty and tainted. Right. And I, and at one point I believe that other people could see the shame and smell the shame on you. Right? You're angry. You're full of anger. You're selfish, right? You're an alcoholic. You're, you, you know, you were abused. You're, you're, 
you're depressed all the time. Uh, there's a, you're, you're an entitled person. You got anxiety. You you feel less than. You feel better than, more than. Uh, you, you dive into isolation. You, you you're insecure. You're prideful. You're self hatred and you're a rebel, man, Randy. You're such a rebel. Or you, there's a perfectionism right there. You, you're untrustworthy, right? I mean, I became untrustworthy. You're a victim, right? And control. So these and a lot of a lot of uh, and in essence, become those, like those nine personality types that the Enneagram talks about. But there's a lot more of them. Now, I didn't come up with these myself. Uh, my, my celebration, uh, celebrate recovery leader team came up with all these different things right here. So let's let's look at control because I, it, it, in talking about the Enneagram, we have the perfectionism. So let's let's go to control because. It can be a very easy thing to uh, oversee, and it's an easy one to explain. And, and what I like to do is I use my wife because she was a controlling person. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I use the example that my wife, you know, she's one of the pastors at our church, and she's been given a task to get some stuff ready for a certain event that we're going to have at church. And she's got her four or five girls that she works with all the time, and they're, they're working with her on it, right? And they've been working with her for a couple of weeks, and one of them comes to me one day and says, Randy, I, go, I think you need to talk to Kathy. I'm going, what's up? She goes, well, you know, we're doing this project, and she's assigned us all a task, and we're all doing it. But, man, she, I mean, she comes up. She's inserting her control over and over again on me. I mean, it's just the girls are getting tired of it. She either... She's got to just let us do it. She knows we can do it, but she's trying to control every move and everything we do. She says, okay, I'll talk to Kathy about it. Not, not a word. So. so I sit down with my wife, Kathy, and I talk to her, and I tell her this whole scenario. And she goes, well, it's just too bad, Randy. I mean, i got to get this thing done. If they're not doing it the way I wanted to do it, then, you know, i, I got to correct them, period, in a conversation. My way is the only way. But, Kathy, you better think about your attitude. She goes, ah. No big deal, right? So he gets near the project, and she goes from six girls down to three girls working on this project. And this friend comes to me again and goes, Randy, I think you really need to talk to Pastor Kathy because have you noticed she's only got three girls that are helping her anymore? And I go, yeah, I have. I kind of wondered about that. Well, they got tired of the way Kathy's controlling everything. Okay, I'll talk to Kathy. So I go and talk to Kathy about it. I go, look at babe, I love you. You know, these girls love you to death. They respect you. They look up to you. But you notice that three of the girls aren't coming around no more? She goes, yeah, I, I kind of have. I go, well, remember that control I talked to you about? Yeah. Well, you might want to take another look at it. Right. And so we talked a little more. And she understands. She goes, yeah, I, I guess I need to go apologize to those girls. And maybe it's time for me to start working on my control. Right? So she finally gets to the place of denial. She understands she's got this controlling behavior, right? Uh, so she, people labor her as she's such a controlling person, right? So she gets a mentor or a coach, right, or whoever she can. And, um, they start working on this together. And as they're working, Kathy realizes, it comes up that, when she was a young girl, 15 years old, she was raped by a bunch of guys, right? It's a game rape. 
And at that time of being raped, she said to herself, I will never, ever, ever let anybody have any control over me. Never again will they have control over me. Now, rape victims do one of two things. They become either really promiscuous or they're, they're really, when it comes to sex, they're really careful or very protective. So what's happened was that she realized her control issues came from the day that she was raped. Because she wasn't going to let nobody walk over her again or hurt her again. And so that reality is, is that we, just like perfectionism, we need a certain, we need a certain amount of control in our life, especially over a pastor or over an employer or a foreman or, or a leader, whatever. There's a certain amount of control that we have to have, but it has to be healthy control, not toxic control. Right. And so, um, and I, I think with like with Jared and Alyssa, we've given them over to, they're now the, um, the, the leaders of the Celebrate Recovery, which is going to be Journey to Freedom pretty soon. But I don't micromanage them. I, I don't, I, I, they come to me. And Jared's really got, he has always got really good ideas though, but I don't control what they do. I, I, I put, I had to put somebody in that position, and Jared and Alyssa were the ones to do it because I, I believed in them and I trusted them. I know that Jared won't make a, a, big, a, a bad decision, especially without talking to me or Kathy first. So I'm, I'm still in control over it. He still comes to me for the finals, yes or no, right? But I'm not in a, in a sense of control where I'm micromanaging him because I don't have to. If, we have to. if I had to micromanage Jared, then he wouldn't be the right leader. Or maybe he would be the right leader, and I'm just being a really piss-poor leader myself. So Kathy understands, okay, so this mentor works with her, right? So she's been this victim all along. And what's happening is she's, she's the, the spirit of the sunlight is starting to, the sunlight of the spirit is t- starting to take her back into her inner child. And so she's working with this, this mentor or this coach, and she's really growing a lot. She's understanding that, hey, I can't let what happened to me define who I am or define how I act today. And she's really developing this great pattern. And so her mentor says, okay, now we're going to now we're starting to walk out. Toward, now we're walking back towards the sunlight of the spirit. And as she's doing that, she hits her at the trauma fence. She gets there, and her, 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 her mentor says, Kathy, I got this girl that I really want you to work with. Exact story, just like yours. Control issues. She was raped when she was a young kid. I think you'd be the perfect mentor for her. So what's what's happening is she walked into this inner child circle as a victim, right? So if we look at the Enneagram, we're still working in, in a, I'm going to say it, in the realm of a, of a victim because you've just been labeled. You're a perfectionist, right? Right. Yeah. And so have you dealt with any of the things that got you to that point, right? And so when Kathy gets to this, she gets a little nervous, and her, her, her leader goes, Kathy, remember, you're no longer a victim. Remember that? You're a child of God. You're Now you're living in the, in, in, as a victim. And now it's your turn to start giving back. So Kathy bravely jumps into this, and as she's walking out towards the sunrise of the Spirit, she's Helping this this this, this, this mentee that she's talking with all the time. They're, they're traveling. She's doing this. This person's doing really good. Kathy's working real good with her. Her sponsors. Kathy's mentor's helping is helping Kathy. 
Then they get back out to this outside fence of labels. And as they reach out there, right, Kathy's mentee decides for some ungodly reason, she got triggered or whatever, that she was going to go out to bar with four guys that she met at the beach before. And Kathy starts to get, like, really controlling again, right? And so her mentor um, talks her through it. Kathy, you can't, you've done everything you can do. And I think Jared and I both, I know I have, I think Jared has too, we've experienced both of that. I mean, we're, we're working with people, and they just, they hit something, they're gone. They just don't yep. get it, you know? Um, so, um, when she gets there, her, her, her mentor says, okay, Kathy, you're okay. Now it's time to come to a place of acceptance, right? Acceptance doesn't mean approval. Doesn't mean approval. And so Kathy with her fist tight, her feet stomping the ground, she goes, you're right, I, I have to accept it. Because if we're not accepting, what are we doing? We're, we're fighting. Yeah. And what are we fighting for? Control. Yeah. Right? So we have to get to that place of acceptance. And it hurts because you're watching somebody you walked with dive off and, and, and fall off. And next thing you know, I mean, you and I both seen it. They're dead or, or close to dead. So, yeah. you know, but Kathy's continuing no matter what. She's walking back. She's getting Now she's getting some of the blessings. Because she's walking back towards the sunlight of the spirit. I know that you, Jared, um, you've walked through some stuff with me. Mm-hmm. And you know, why don't you talk about some of the blessings that you've gotten, you've received just in the last, I mean, since you got sold, I mean, the last four years. I mean, I know I see them, but, you know, I know I could talk about them. I talk about them all the time. But, you know, what do you, what do you I think one of the one of the biggest things for me is a certain aspect of self worth within a relationship. Um, my my previous marriage, there really wasn't that. It was always walking on eggshells, and it was always um, what did I what did I do wrong now, or you know what am I going to do wrong ten minutes from now? Yeah. Um, you know, but, but going through the recovery program that I went through, going through Celebrate Recovery, doing the steps, uh, even within secular recovery in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, just knowing that, you know, it, it, it wasn't me that was the, the problem. You know, it was the insecurities of my, of my ex-wife, right. the insecurities of former friends. And, you know, they just, you know, they didn't see me for who I really am. They saw me for what they thought I was. And that a lot of that came to, came to light after everything that transpired with, with my um, admission of being an alcoholic and um, everything that brought me out to the desert. Um, but also how to be, you know, a good father, how to be a good son, how to be a good person in general, a good man of God. Um, all four you had a, a great um, influence on me on because I think one of the things that, that you said to me early on was I had uh, come to you regarding, I don't know, it was regarding something. Um, 
but it was how my intentions in my, I call it my past life, um, you know, were they really there? You know, I always wanted to do better, but, you know, all of the, the past hurts and all of that just bottled up in me and they, they really, a lot of them did not come to fruition, but you told me that my intentions were always pure. It was the alcohol that was causing, that was stopping me from, from making those intentions. Absolutely. Um, and that, and that went a long way with me because it was, that was one of those things that it was, that made it easier for me to forgive myself for a lot of the stuff. Um, and it wasn't like I, I went out and, you know, beat my wife or, you know, my my stepson at the time or, or anything like that. I mean, there was maybe an emotional neglect that, that, that I gave just because I was so protective of, of my inner, mm-hmm. my inner child, my inner self. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that I actually found came from my um, deep-rooted abandonment issues from my biological father when he left when I was young. So it was just, you know, putting all that together. Um, and then, you know, one of the blessings that I have, and I've talked to you about it, I've talked to um, a couple other people, you know, it's, it's my children won't see me drink. Right, they won't right, see me, you know, passed out on the couch. They won't see me wake up with a hangover, um, you know. And that's huge. You know, they, they'll never see that part of me, God willing. Um because I've done the work because right. I've, I've put recovery and God above everything else. So I know that those are the things that I have to have in order to keep everything below that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's one of the biggest blessings that I, that I hold on to is that, you know, Maverick will never see me with, with you know, a beer in my hand, right. um, you know, or, or the girls. But, uh, yeah, that's, you know, I mean, there's a lot right there. I think, like you say, just that the kids will never see you drunk with a beer mm-hmm. without that is huge. I mean, I don't have that with my kids, but I have it with all my grandkids. Right. Right. I mean, all my grandkids love me and they never see me drink, never saw me see me drunk. So, but you know, these blessings only came after doing the hard work. You know, I think people want the blessings and they can't understand why, why they don't get them all the time. Well, what are you holding on to so tightly, you know, that that maybe that's keeping you from getting those blessings? This is a hard journey, and and, and working on these these issues is not easy. Right. I mean, you have to dive deep. You have to look at yourself in ways you probably never thought you would look at yourself. But it, I can tell you that, I promise you, that, that, that is absolutely well worth it. I mean, you know. It was easy. Everyone would do it. Everyone <laughs> would do it. And, you know, we've seen people, you know, they, they get, they, Jared and I have both seen them. They start this journey and they realize how, how hard it is and they want to walk away. See, part, part, of, the, part of the deal is that, um, is that we live in this, people live in the sea of uncomfortableness, right? They're used to it. And that sea, that circle, right, the sea, it's not, not the one I got up right now, I'll go back. That sea of uncomfortableness, it consists of things like love and happiness. It consists of, you know, drunkenness, a drink of DUI, it, all that stuff. It's uncomfortable living, but we're, we're so used to it mm-hmm. that we're comfortable in it. 
So then when we start this recovery journey and somebody approaches you like with Kathy and says, hey, well, you got to look at this. Now you're stepping into an uncomfortableness that you don't know. And that's where people don't want to stay. It's like, you know, you go, you go to any length to, to, to get your drug, your alcohol, your behavior, whatever that is, you go to any length to achieve those goals when you're out there running amok in the world. But yet when it comes to just giving up um, that one thing to gain everything, people go right back into what they were doing because it was comfortable for them. They don't like being uncomfortable. And I think that's a shame. So the, the second part of this, this diagram is that we pulled out the root of, of control, okay? And if you notice <clears throat> that this is still the, the root ball of your underlying issues, right? But we, we pretty much... Pull the main part out with your control, okay? Um, but we still have all these other roots that are growing into it, right? Self-hatred, perfectionism, insecure, isolation, anger. All that stuff is still growing. It's still there. It hasn't gone away. You might have pulled some of these out when you worked on your control issues, right? You might have, you might have even pulled perfectionism out. Mm -hmm. you, you certainly probably pulled out control, right? But this is why recovery takes so long. This is why recovery is a lifelong journey. It's not a, it's not a one year and you're done because you have all these other roots. And if you don't get to these roots, they're going to come back in here and they're going to choke out the true essence of who God created you to be. Right. God didn't create you to be a perfectionist. He didn't create you to be a control freak. He didn't create you to, to be an isolationist or, or to, to be an alcoholic. That's not what he created you to be. Those are the generational curses from, from generations of your, of your family that this has happened. Somewhere along the line of men in your generation, somebody picked up the alcohol and it just took over, got in the DNA. And so it just travels through the family. Not everybody who, you know, is in a family of alcoholics will become an alcoholic. It's it'll skip a generation. It's really it's weird the way it does it. Same thing with pornography, with womanizing somewhere along the line, and it's just passed down. And the way it's passed down a lot of times is is through it can be through sexual abuse. It can be through you know let you know your kids seeing uh, pornography tapes or, or magazines or whatever. It's passed down and it gets in the skin. Remember, the, the devil uses whoever he can to pull people away from God. And that includes your parents. Right? And when you're as, as young as you can start understanding and hearing stuff, the devil is going to start attacking. And he does it with the pictures of the, of the women and pornography. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, man, that's what got me going. I mean, it's like, wow, <laughs> this this is something different. But... That's not what God wants. Right. Um, that's, that's not who God created us to be. God created us to be loving, kind human beings. All right. we're, here to, we're, here, we're, we're here to serve, not to sit. So, you know, it, it's the journey. The Enneagram, there's a couple books out by it. There's one by Richard Rohr. There's a couple other books out there by it. Uh, the Enneagram of Christian Perspective. You know, you can you can pick it up yourself and look at it. And like I say, do your own research. Also, in, in my book, that the 
last chapter, thirteenth chapter of my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within, is finding your authentic self. And there's some good stuff in there. Dr. Alan Berger put a phenomenal uh, excerpt in there um, that was introduced to him by um, I don't know, I just forgot her name. <laughs> I was just had it on my tongue. It's gone. But um, uh, but anyways, it, it, it's in the 13th chapter. I'm sure I'll think of it before I get done here. Um, Karen Horning. Karen Horning, that's what it is. You know I think of it. So, you know, give my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within. By the way, that book is is uh, pretty much all done being transmit, translated into Spanish. So um, I'll meet with a person here in a couple of weeks and then it's whatever I got to do to finish it up. So my book will be coming out in Spanish. So you got anything else you want to say, Jared? Or, or, you know? Not really. Um, you know, I did, I did think of a little something. Um, you know, as much as, as much as God didn't create, I'll take myself as, as an example, didn't create me to become an alcoholic. He gave me the will of man. Right. And my own will, right. I went out, did mm-hmm. all of that. But... I feel that that was God's test for me on how strong my will is as a man, where I was able to pull myself out of that and create a new life. And as it says in in the Bible, you know, I created a new life, a new, new life. The old me is gone. Right. The new me is here. Right. That's right. And, and, and that free will and God never lets it, you know, uh, pain go to waste. You never right. let her experience go to go away. Right. And I you know, you've heard me talk about that with my abuse that you know I had one pastor tell me God had nothing to do with your abuse. Well God didn't abuse me, but it was definitely part of his plan for my life. Man abused me. Right. Oh, not God. Not God at all. And and it, so yeah, it, it's God didn't create you to be an alcoholic. God didn't create you to be a prostitute. God didn't create you to be a gambler. That's not, that's not, don't, don't buy into those jokes. Well, it's just who I am because that's a lie. That's a lie that the enemy's trying to, trying to force you to believe. So anyways, with that, I think, um, that's about it for this session. Uh, please go to my websites, courageoushealers.org. You can see what, what we're about over there, help, helping men and their families heal from the scars of sexual abuse. Also, if you're looking for coaching, Go to changeyourlifestorynow.com, changeyourlifestorynow.com. Just fill out the contact form, shoot me an email, I'll get right back to you. We do all sorts of coaching when it comes to the healing the healing ministry. My wife and I, um, we also do marriage counseling. We've several marriages that we've, we've helped. We've had people walk in with divorce papers, and they're doing great today. I am Simba certified, Save Your Marriage Before It Starts. It's a great pre-marriage counseling tool and it's also a great post-marriage counseling tool if you haven't done it it's not a personality test it's 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 all i can tell you it's a 99.9 percent accurate with everybody that has taken the assessment and we've sat down with them and done that so if you're interested in learning more about that just reach out to us and like I say, my books, you can get my books right now on Amazon, Healing the Wounded Child Within, is in paperback, Kindle, and on audio. My 30-day devotional to wholeness is on Kindle and paperback, and the 7-day challenge workbook is on, is on 
paperback. Then hopefully within the next month or so, we will be launching the Spanish version of Healing the Wounded Child Within. So look forward to that. And remember, nobody tells you today that they love you. Randy does, but more importantly, God does. Be blessed, everybody, and I'll catch you on the next one. Thanks. Bye. This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy, please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. <laughs>